Looks like the three approaching transports are Union Virginia class ships. 4200 until they're in visual combat range. Ptolemy is to back off and use the resource satellites as shields. Kyrios, Virtue, prepare for defensive battle. Dynamis is to stand by on Ptolemy. Hey, come on, that doesn't sound fair, huh? <sighs> they locked the door on me. Don't you think that was a little drastic? He's not the type who listens well. He took a shot meant for me and saved my life in the last fight. This time, I've decided I'm going to protect him. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. Zawodo! I'm Tyler. I'm beyond reproach. My name is Zach. I was going to say repair, but then uh, the other word came out. I feel like beyond reproach is more like thematically appropriate to where we are in this series right now, so... Well, I am the most oh. important one. Hopefully the audio on this episode, the next, sounds alright. We're doing two in a row, and... My microphone exploded, and I think we made it work. But if the audio on the next two is bad for me, sorry. Thanks for taking that bullet for me, Jeremy. I was going to say thanks for taking that bullet for us, listeners. Speaking of taking bullets, do we want to touch on current events? This is not a politics podcast, but we do watch a show that's themes are about war and war prevention, and that got a lot less fun since the last time we recorded one of these. Yeah, I mean, I... Fair. I have no idea what I'd say about yeah. it on this podcast. I mean, the but... closest thing that I'd come to it is uh, if you are if, if you are thinking of joining the Discord, there was a rule change very recently. I mean, ironically, didn't really have anything to do with current events. It was uh, something I'd been meaning to do for more than a year. I don't think we're going to talk about it at all. It's a lot easier with Gundam Double O than it is in like even Gundam Wing, which is romanticizing war, and that gets real awkward. Whereas at least Double O is. The fantasy is preventing this sort of stuff, right? Which I think is on brand for us. Yeah, that's fair. So we're watching episode 23 of Gundam Double O today, The World. I'm the one who watched JoJo, not you, Tyler. <laughs> if you don't know what's going on in Gundam Double O, now's a bad time to hop on. <laughs> yeah, things are kind of wrapping up. It gets serious. Things are blowing episodes. up. Things are blown up. People are exploding. Lock on Austin Eye. He can no longer His good lock eye. On. Yeah, I guess he only, shooting eye. he only had one sniping eye, I guess. So. I mean, like, I feel like you'd need depth perception, so you'd probably need two eyes. Yeah. Not being a shooter myself, but that's not usually how it's portrayed, so... Well, you see in the future, Zach, our eyes are better. They, you only need one for depth perception. All right, so we are going to watch episode 23. Stop the world! <laughs> Stop the world. You can watch along on Crunchyroll or Hulu. Funimation doesn't exist anymore, if it ever had it at all. All right, so we start out last time. Setsuna learned the Kaioken, but has not yet mastered the spirit bomb. I do love how they turn red when they use Trans Am. They're it, just leaning into that joke. Okay, so I completely forgot about this, and I already forgot her name. I'm gonna Nana. Nana. I was going to call her Nene, so I was close. <laughs> um, she wears her head back and forth. Where is she during all of the next two episodes? In a cave somewhere. We will uh, kind of get an answer to that. Huh. Okay. Kind of. 
I, I, there's definitely still some question marks, but she's got to put up on a funeral for her brothers. She's next of kin. She's got a lot of paperwork to do, Tyler. That's fair. <laughs> Has to file those life insurance claims. Yeah, cause of death. Gunman. Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nana's not looking forward to all the paperwork she's going to have to do because her brothers are dead. Now, opening. And she doesn't seem like a person who likes to file paperwork. No, Johan did all of the paperwork. I'm not entirely yeah. sure Nana can read. She can read. I'm not entirely sure Michael can read. <laughs> yeah. Nana well, can good definitely news. read. <laughs> no well, longer relevant. As you say, he definitely can't read now. Well, hey, you're making some assumptions. Oh, Setsuna told me there is no life after death. Oh, so that's fair. Yeah. It's, I'm just using the facts the show has told <laughs> oh, me. Oh, that shot of Saji and Louise is super depressing now. In the snow? Yeah. They know what they were doing. Yeah, what are either of them doing right now? I don't know. Yep. We, we don't see them the next two episodes uh, either. Saji's being very depressed, if we extrapolate up from the last time we saw him. I feel like he's uh, very much wishing for the Gundam's comeuppance. I think these are the first two episodes in which Saji didn't have any appearance. Saji or Louise had zero appearance. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me while I was watching them, but I think you're correct. Shit be getting real, bro. Yeah, we don't have time for Saji. We do have time for Patrick Colasar, though. <laughs> well, he's... Our new Saji. He's in the relevant spot, right? He's here. We don't have to cut to Japan where Patrick Collisar is having a great vacation. Or Gundam Build Divers. Yes, I know what I know about this show. I assume Saji becomes an, an anti-terrorist terrorist. So he becomes Celestial Being too, Celeste Harder. <laughs> he got all the strawberries. Or, I'm sorry, Bee Harder. He got all the honey. The opening ends and we cut to the moon where they have brought the Kaioken up on the big screen. And Alejandro Corner is very angry that there wasn't anything on this new function. He's prepping for the podcast. He's just rewatching the last episode. So Ribbons is uh, saying that all the information seems to have been completely deleted, and maybe the Trans Am system was built into the GN Drive's black boxes. And Corner's like, God damn you, Aelia Schoenberg, do you think you're God? Okay, the one thing about this is that Aelia Schoenberg only has one bullet hole in his head. Despite the entire magazine. Alejandro that... Corner is a really bad <laughs> shot. I, I thought most of them went into the chest, actually. I honestly have no well, idea. Well, I think he, sh- he it looked like he was shooting the, gla- the, the glass on top, and that was the only part that was exposed. It is the golden gun. He only needs to hit once. So we cut the LaRange one, where we know Celestial Being's secret bases, where they are throwing another assault container onto the Ptolemy. And they have also retrieved the tail booster. So on the floor screen where Celestial being briefs, they have brought up the information on the Trans Am. It lets them go three times faster and three times better. And turns them red. Yeah. And Tiara is like, it was only put on the original solar reactors. As like a last ditch. Good luck. But Tsumarag is like, unfortunately, after using it, the machine's performance drops dramatically because you use up all the particles at the same time is how it works. So we'll have to be careful with it. Then they get a text message from Setsuda. He's like, hey, we're coming back. Orders received. Also, all of the bad guys are coming for you. Sumeragi admonishes him not to text while driving. Lasse's driving. Yeah, he's riding <laughs> shotgun. Fair. And he, yeah, he, he tells them that one of the thrones was captured by an enemy. Tiari is like, by the UN? And he's like, no, by Ali Al-Sanchez. And Lachan's like, motherfucker. 
I hate that guy. You told me about once. You just told me about him. And Ellie is like, no one told me about him. Which I do like that they keep that. <laughs> a little bit of consistency. Yeah, he's like, who is this guy? And, and Tyria is like, oh no, some kind of mercenary. I, I wasn't paying that close of attention. He's some kind of mercenary. But Lock-On and Setsunas definitely hate him. I, I was having an existential crisis while the conversation was happening around this. Am I human or am I dancer? How do they know where the Ptolemaeus is? Because they never seemed to indicate that they knew where Lagrange 1 was, where their uh, maintenance facility was. I assume they were followed. Alternatively, I assume that they have some sort of triangulation system now that they know that it blackout sen- blacks out sensors. They might be able to use uh, just regular satellites in orbit to find it. So we cut to some Virginia-class carriers on which the UN forces are stationed. Including- that is wrong! There's no way these things would be Virginia class. Because we all know state class are either submarines or battleships. These are battleships. These are carriers. This is the future, Zach. We can change things up. Also, is the US even a thing anymore? It is. But obviously it is. No, no what happened is that the is it the UN it, Federation? I honestly forgot the name of this faction. Eagle Union. This is the UN forces. Okay. The Union, I think. Is the actually. Union is America, okay, but yeah. that's not this faction. No one in this scene is America. It also includes Britain as well, part and of Japan. the Union, which is weird. <laughs> and Canada. It, it threw me off when later on they refer to one of the Virginia-class carriers as the Norfolk. It's like, what? That's a county-class ship. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, Gary Busey. What's his actual name? <laughs> Gary Biagi? Yeah, Gary Busey, who is secretly Ali Al Sanchez. <laughs> is admiring his stolen Gundam, being like, it's a good thing the UN just randomly had parts to fix a Gundam. And Sergei Smirnov comes in. He's like, hey, you're the one who captured a Gundam. I wonder if if the GNXs have a lot of the same parts. I kind of wonder because I think they're based off of vaguely the same model. Well, I definitely assume that they were built by the same person. I love this expression you paused it on. Like, the first instance that we see Sanchez have anything other than, like, smug superiority is Sergei comes in and he's got kind of this, oh, shit, look on his face. Oh, no, this guy's competent. I have to be careful. <laughs> I'm not used to dealing with competent people. <laughs> there aren't many in this series. <laughs> so then he compliments him. I'm like, hey, you're competent. I like that in a person. And Sergei's like, yeah, anyway, Gary Busey, I was curious. How did you capture a Gundam? And he's like, well, you see, capitalism protects me and I don't have to tell you. It's a trade secret. And Sergei's like, well, yes, that is why I'm Indochina Russian. But I suppose (laughs) you're not. So well played. And then that scene just ends. I wonder how Sergei leaves. He's just like, well, my daughter needs me. Yeah, I was gonna say my daughter needs her medicine, I guess. (laughs) So (laughs) we then see Daryl, who is like, revenge, I will get it. It's the revenge we've been waiting for, Howard. Uh, I think this man needs a psyche valve. We then cut to Setsuna, who is talking with Lasse. And Lasse's like, hey, did you figure out what you were trying to figure out about your personal philosophy, Setsuna, from that one battle? And he's like, well, not quite from one battle, but I do think it's pretty cool that we got the Trans Am. And I think I'm on the right path. Okay, so speaking of Howard and Daryl, where is Graham? Because he got a specially on, outfitted flag. No, it's, it, presumably it's not finished yet. Okay. Because, yeah, last time we saw him, they were trying to get it to work. Okay, that's fair. I assumed for a second that he was going to be the reinforcements. I did, too. Which would have been great. Like, I, what they get is it's difficult to argue with, but if just, it would just really be stupid. It would be even stupider if it was just Graham Aker, but it would be that Shonen stupid that would be great, <laughs> and Graham would totally sell it. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Graham would be all over that. And Lasse is like, you know, I don't actually think it was possible for us to succeed in the first place. But it wasn't all about that in the first place. It was just the fact that we tried. And maybe people will take on our mission. I think that's why Celestial Being existed. I do wonder what Scheinberg's, like, end plan was. He's 200 years old. I so don't. He was he, also a genius who was He was 200 himself. years old. He's really hoping for the best, I think. And he's got, like, contingencies, too. Clearly, with the Although, Trans Am system built into him. And I know more about Schoenberg's plan, I guess, than you guys do, I'm realizing. Yeah, but, be- because you watched the rest of the series? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what he was actually planning with any of this. So, I think Lasse's, um... I-, I think to some degree you are supposed to be questioning it. Yeah, that's but fair. Yes, they are, right? The characters, so... Cessna just doesn't want any more war children because he knew how much that sucked. Well, yeah, I, I know it's sets in his motive, but yeah. that's very clear. Then it breaks off, and uh, apparently the Ptolemaeus has been found. Actually, yep. here's a question. What the hell is Tyria's motivation? That is a good question. He is a... In- like, we know so little about Tiaria, right? Yeah, and- except for the fact that he's, like, suddenly catching human emotions, and that's about all we know about a- him. And he's got gender dysphoria of some And shape. also is questionably an android or something, because he can link directly with Veda. Yeah. And uh, so his ribbons, I guess. And he had more authority within the Gundam Meisters, right? Because he was the one who had the had power that to trial boot. system. Yeah. Yeah. What is Tyria's deal? I have never bothered to question this until literally right this moment. He's the one we definitely know the least about, right? Yeah. So uh Sumeragi gives the obvious like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna hide behind these resource satellites. And we'll send out the Kyrios and the virtue to intercept them. Lock on, stay in your room. You're, You're grounded. Out. <laughs> like this doesn't. You could just stick lock on in the dynamis on like the container, like you did in that one battle. I see no reason hard. why you couldn't just have him sniping. That's I, his thing. How repaired do we think the dynamis is? Because last week it was like, oh, the dynamis is fucked. But when he goes out in it, it seems pretty okay. That's what I was wondering. Is like, how did it get fixed so fast? I don't know. Carols. <laughs> So, Tiaria and Alleluia, knowing that Lockon was going to be all shown in about this, have locked him in his room. I, I love how it then flashes to Tiaria and Alleluia going down on those, like, people movers. And is like, don't you think locking him in his room was a bad idea? And Tiaria's like, no, he'll be stubborn. He saved my life in the last fight. Now it's my turn. It hurts me more than it hurts him. I have to protect him. So, the Curious launches with its fancy new tail booster attached. And is met by a bunch of jinxes. They are significantly outnumbered. Big surprise. Then the Virtue launches with two more big fuck-off guns. Well, yeah, they follow them to Celestial Beings base, so there's no reason to hide anything now. Yep. Which is, I assume, the only reason they haven't used any of this equipment before. Yeah, I presume as well. It also might be recently finished. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, because the GN arms only recently got... It does make sense that some of it would be recently being... Like, the finishing touches put on it. So they're facing a bunch of jinxes, as well as the thrones. Why? And Glockon is like, I want to murder that guy. God damn it, let me out. Let me murder him. So Sergei is like, they've got two Gundams. We'll use this formation to eliminate them. We get all of the main characters. characters reacting. Yeah. And if you don't think Errol in the dub voice going, I'm gonna get him, is the stinger to this episode. You don't know much about me. <laughs> He sounds like Yosemite Stan. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh, I didn't listen to the dub of this episode. I'm like, I having recently found Daryl's dub. Um, Ali Alsaches is also there, and he's like, I'm going to hang back and take attacks of opportunity. The, the tail booster of the Kiros is equipped with two giant fuck-off beam cannons, which it uses to just instantly get one of the Jinxes. Yeah, he just vaporizes one, dude. Unfortunately, there are a lot more that just start showering it with laser fire. But apparently the tail booster also makes it really, uh, really mobile. So it's the best of both worlds. It gives you a big fuck-off cannon and mobility. I love the Freedom Gundam. I want fast and powerful. And the Virtue with its secondary cannon is super chunky, but also has a lot of firepower. So Sergei gives the order for the Jinxes to split up and take them on individually. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. Split the two of them apart so they can't support each other. Unfortunately, the ones going after the Virtue cannot get through its GN field, and Tiara remembered all the guns he has, finally. I was actually thinking that while watching this episode. I'm like, oh, he remembered his shoulder cannons. Fortunately for the Jinxes, apparently the Thren's Y can just shoot through the GN field. And as established, Sanchez is a good pilot, so he dodges the beams even better than Patrick Colasar does. And uses the exact same command phrase to launch the things that Michael does. They're the same sort of crazy. They're on the same wavelength there. Sanchez is really just Michael if he was 30 times more competent, right? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. And thought bigger picture. I'm not going to cut you now. I'm going to cut you later. (laughs) So the fangs fuck up the virtue. And Sanchez is like, now I shall leave like a Saturday morning cartoon villain. I sure hope they don't escape. And now the jinxes can just shoot through the field, apparently. Sure. Tiari is not having a great time. Kyrios gets a third kill. So he's doing pretty well. He's taking out a third of the total Jinx forces, and we know they are minus more than one. But one manages to hit him in the back. I thought it was Sanchez popped around the the moon and shot him in the back. No, it's Soma, because he starts getting the new type headaches. So he detaches his booster and does a very cool upside-down transformation to block her beam saber. They have some shonen split-screen battle dialogue. As Kyrios is shot in the back again. And we cut back to the Ptolemaeus, where they're like, uh, it ain't going great. So Sumeragi's like, order them to retreat. But Lockon has snuck through the air ducts into the Dynamis, <laughs> and he's like, ah, not going great. I'll go be the cavalry. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take this mobile armor with me. I'm assuming because of the eye patch that he's literally just doing a solid snake. <laughs> <laughs> Checks out. And everybody is startled at this. And he's like, don't worry, I'll stick to the plan for me sneaking out that you had, Sumeragi. And Sumeragi's like, no, don't do it. So he turns off the video. And he's like, hey, sorry, Haro, I need you to control this cool mobile armor I have, though. It's no meteor, but it's the same idea. We're going to murder all y'all Saches together. And then we don't get an eye catch. Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to episode 23 with us, Zawardo! It's getting to be that time of year in the Northern Hemisphere, where, even here in Colorado, it's starting to be less abysmal outside. There's a whole negative one degree Celsius out this morning, which means I'm going outside more. So, in lieu of my regular plug, because honestly there's not a whole lot to plug, I'm asking you for plugs. For recommendations for stuff to listen to while out doing things that don't involve a screen. So, like podcasts and stuff. I recently picked up Critical Ditto, which has been hilarious which is an actual play about a Pokemon RPG, also interstitial on Jeremy's recommendation, which has been amazing. Miles Edgeworth and Shar Aznable team up to fight John Wick in the first episode. I guess also Raphael and Pidge are there. So, if you have anything you would like to plug to me, send us an email at GundamAtLastTimeOnVideoGames.com or 
on our Discord. Or, you know, I guess send me a letter if you know where I live. Anyway, bye. And we cut back to the Jinx and Curios again, locked in Beam Saber combat. I, I love that shot because it's the upside down Curios deflecting the G and X's Beam Saber. Yep. Unfortunately, a Sergei Smirnov appeared, and she's like, "Now, Soma, destroy it." And Soma's like, "I got it." And so Ali's like, "Shit, better push the oh shit button." Transam. It's the second time we've seen it, but it's very cool when it's just not there anymore. When Soma goes to finish it off. And, and obviously, both of them are extremely startled because they didn't know what it was. Yeah. And Hallelujah is like, huh, my headache's gone. And Hallelujah is like, I'm blocking the quantum brainwaves. Okay. We leveled up in this exchange, and I took anti-quantum brainwaves. I also have quantum brainwaves. I just need to send them out at the reverse frequency. I mean, they both <laughs> do. It's just, like, weird that this comes up. Like, this is a very weird way of handling this. Okay, so I have a theory about this, and it's actually only right after the Trans Am activates that Hallelujah says that he can block the brainwaves, and I actually kind of wonder if it's the Trans Am doing it, and Hallelujah's like, I don't know! <laughs> Bullshit! <laughs> I feel like they're continued to be blocked afterwards. You know, okay. what, you know what my problem with this all is? Soma Pierce got a tinfoil hat and like the first time this is a problem, right? Celestial being has 200 year advanced technology. They can't invent a tinfoil hat for hallelujah. And they're not <laughs> even like really trying. They're just like, all right, you deal with it. If she shows up again, if you run into her, you just have to deal with it. If, what do you mean? If she's literally fucking chasing me, at least give me some Advil. <laughs> anyway, hallelujah is like, I got you, bro. Murder them. Murder them all. Give in to your hatred. Just this one time, I'll do a murder. So then Tiaria, in a just super weird line read to me in both Japanese and English, goes, it's the Trans Am. Like, like it's the name of a weird song. (laughs) Like, he's like, it's the Batman. Like, it just, it's not quite right. It it should be more of, like, I need to use Trans Am or something like that. Not, it's the Trans Am. Huh? Anyway, the virtue starts transamming, and that makes its shield good again, and also makes its cannon fire better and faster. So it triggers its fuck you and everyone around you mode. When I first saw this, I phrased this as the uh, to whom it may concern cannon. <laughs> he blasted the hell out of an asteroid, and I kind of love that part of the rock flies off and hits Patrick Collisar in the head, and Patrick Collisar's blasting off again. So he got three actual kills and knocked Colossar out with a rock. This is super weird to me because he just lost his head. I mean, Colossar should not be out of this fight, let alone not able to be recovered, as we'll find out later, but... Well, I mean, maybe it messed something up in the rest Maybe of the, the long-range sensor and the long-range communications are in the head? That, that's what I was going to suggest, is that the communication system was in the head. But... That does make sense. But apparently, using the To Whom It May Concern cannon is, uh, drains the power of the Trans Am significantly. Daryl very specifically shouts out, How dare you do what you did, Gundam? That thing you did. How, How dare, dare you? you defend yourself, Gundam? But before Daryl can get in a hit, Hey, it's Lock-On with the GN arms. They're like a meteor, but worse. This thing looks so stupid. Yeah, like a meteor, but worse. I like the color scheme on it and the big cannons, but... But it's very dumb. Yeah, like the limb... It just creates the problem that all Gundams have, which is why create a humanoid shape when you can just put guns on it. It's very apparent with this. The Jinxes all go to try and fight the GN arms, but it can also create a particle shield. And Lock-On's like, well, 
my eye is fucked, so I can't target and fire, but I can press the fuckload of missiles button. That's a good button to have. You don't have to worry about aiming. Just, all right, fuck everything in this general area. He seems to kill everybody but Daryl in that exchange. And he's like, hey, I'm going ahead to attack their ships so we can get out of this. And is like, no, not in your present condition. And Lockon's like, cool, no, I am doing that. <laughs> Bye, BRB. I haven't murdered any alleys all Sanchez yet. Back to the Kyrios being fast, just taking off limbs of Jinxes, both Somas and Sergeys. But despite Hallelujah's encouragement, he is not murdering yet. I feel like it's less that he's not trying to kill them and more because he's moving literally so fast, he's not actually lining up his shots. Could be. And he's also only got that weak-ass machine gun. He's running out of Trans Am, so he lets them retreat, and Hallelujah's like, you bitch, you could have super-murdered them. What the (laughs) fuck, bro? That Michael guy had a point. So the Trans Am for the Curious and the Virtue have run out, so that's only really good for what seems to be about 10 seconds. I think it's slightly more than that. I think it's... I'm going to say three minutes. I'm pulling that number out of my ass, but it like, they like three. But I think more importantly, as we established earlier in the episode, once a Trans Am runs out, the machine's performance is diminished. Until it can recharge the particles, however yeah. long that'll take. Do you like that more as a tactical consideration? Because what you were saying about Trans Am is like, oh, I wish it was something cool and tactical. Is this a better midpoint for you, or do um, you still have that feeling? It's less dumb than it could have been. It, it creates, I think. you can write interesting situations with it, right? Exactly. I still wish it was not just like a straight up, like, power boost, power up. Yeah. I, I still wish it was like something like, oh, we can like sensory blocking or I don't know. I, I, the I have not brainstormed with, a better trans the, the problem with most of the other things that you would have, like, uh, ECM or something like that is that their baseline like the particles do that anyway yeah that's fair or like something they could just like knock out enemy mobile suits for like five seconds like an EMP yeah I feel like that makes things less interesting though like if you can just turn off the enemy mobile suit and kill them then like, you that's win. less interesting as a, as, a, as a tool it's sleep as a wizard it's create slaughterhouse. Yeah, which isn't interesting. It's effective, but not interesting. Yeah, remember that time Zaf did it? Was that an interesting fight? No, but it was effective. It was effective. We cut to the bridge of the Ptolemaeus where Sumeragi's like, man, I hope Setsune gets here in time to save Lockon's dumbass. And then we cut to Lockon's dumbass starting to take out mobile suit carriers, which do have some cannons, but just kind of fire them in a straight line. And well, they, they are literally called linear cannons. so They do not seem like they were created for anti-mobile suit combat. So he takes the Norfolk out and, and then takes out the other one. But because it didn't have a main character on board, the last one, the flagship, is protected because Cotty Monikin is on it. Yeah, and she's dating Patrick Collisar. And she's like, oh, no, our mobile suits are too far out. It'll take them three minutes to get back. We're fucked. Luckily, Alia Sanchez apparently fucked off to here when he fucked off. So he just starts blowing up the GN arms so much so that Lockon has to abandon it. Just like a meteor, only not as effective or as cool. And Lockon's like, oh, it's that guy I want to murder. I need to channel all of my murderous rage. Haru's eyes turn red. But uh, Lockon's shooting is very poor because he can't use his good eye, apparently. To, to be fair, Ollie's also dodging, but... Yeah, I say Ollie all such as is also established to be a good pilot, so there's that. I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, Sanchez didn't just, like, decimate Lockon here. Because Lockon's running a disability, and also Sacha's established to be a very good pilot. What also kind of implies that Lockon was a much better pilot than anybody gave him credit for. 
I feel like that's also been kind of worked at. Like, he's pulled some random bullshit at certain times that none of the other Gundam pilots have managed, and I feel like that's earned, but also is never explicitly stated. I think it also could be just a situation, because Lock-On always does kind of give off the impression that he's thinking one or two moves ahead. Yeah. So he's always thinking this far ahead, so it's kind of just... I'm not moving fast, I'm moving quick, because I've already figured out what you're going to do. Not using the Trans Am for some reason, though, which is the edge he has over Sanchez in this fight. Yeah, that's a good... I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. So they lock sabers and have a nice Gundam talk. Lock-On's like, you're that crazy mercenary Ali Al Sanchez from the KSPA, right? And he's like, the fucking Krugis punk told me about you, huh? Told you about me. Whatever. And he's like, why did you bomb Ireland? And he's like, because I'm a mercenary and the Middle East is crazy, bro. (laughs) It should have been obvious to you, a child, that your church was going to get bombed. You and I are the same. We're just terrorists. And Lockon's like, well, yes, but I'll go to jail after I kill you. I wonder how old Sanchez actually is. I feel like about the same age as Lockon. I feel like he's got to be older than Lockon by a pretty wide that's margin. a good point because Sanchez was clearly an adult by the time uh lock on lost his family right he could have been like 18 there he can't grow a beard then he, he's got that like cute shonen look to him when he's in flashback as opposed to now i feel like he's like 36 which is definitely older than lock on but it is weird that lock on isn't using the trans am yeah especially when he can't get an edge we cut to the assault container that has Setsuna in it, and Lasse's like, hey, I'm going to launch you Setsuna, and he's like, Roger, I'll use the Trans Am to try to get there fast. Which also means you're going to arrive in worse condition? Better to arrive in, in time than not. I mean, unless you need to be babysat when you arrive, because you can't do anything because your performance is so badly reduced. Yet Sanchez was like 18 when Lock-On was a kid. Yeah, he is currently 35, which is five to six years older than Lock-On. Lock-On and Sanchez continue to sword battle. There's some cool Lock-On trying to shoot him in the moments where they sort of try to start to pull away, but he can't get a hit. And Sanchez is like, we're the same! We're the same! We're the same! I'm the crazy Shaw! <laughs> <laughs> I love how there is a moment where Lock-On pulls a second beam saber, shucks the rifle, takes a swing, then dumps the sword and grabs the gun again. It's a very cool, like, two seconds. It's a very Kira Yamato move. I actually really like pretty much this entire clash. This is a really cool fight. Yeah. It is weird, though, that Lock-On isn't using Trans Am at any point. Yeah, he really... That's like a fridge logic moment for me. Like, it's cool in the moment. It works, but he should have, yes. And that could have been the part to show us, the audience, how poorly they perform after. If Sanchez just lasts out the Trans Am, yeah. having seen it once. Anyway, Lock-On is distracted because, hey, Daryl's here. Be like, I shall avenge you, Howard. The green one killed you, right? It was the green one, not the one that's the green one's fighting right now. I feel like no one distinguishes between any of the Gundams <laughs> they anymore. Don't. Although, but the Throne's Vi is literally, literally the one that killed him. But also, they think that... Uh, I'm sorry, Gary Busey defected with it, so... Well, they think he stole it from whoever had it. Yeah. Anyway, Howard bonsai's in. Lock-on shoots his missiles, but unfortunately, these missiles are only enough to destroy all the limbs and turn Daryl into Captain Falcon briefly. (laughs) And he's like, Falcon! Full body tackle! And uh, it takes part of the Dynamis, and it gives Sacha's information that he can't see his right side. 
honestly, that would make a lot more sense if it was through the tran. If like he lasts out the Trans Am and comes to the conclusion that he can't see his right side during that. Yeah, I really like the idea of Sanchez figuring out this weakness as the reason Lockon loses this fight. It is super weird. Like, as just someone who plays video games and messes with his UI, if my right eye was cut out, I would put my right camera like on top of yes. my left one. It would take some getting used to, but it wouldn't be no information. Also, Lock-On has a, like, machine-assisted pilot set up because he has the Haro. Like, I don't know. There are a lot of things that could come. Also, does Daryl die here? Yes. yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I, it's see, kind of ambiguous. He explodes and takes the lock the Lock-On, the Dynamis' arm with him. Okay. I just think it would make, it, it would be better from a standpoint of making it so that Lock-On doesn't look kind of like he's derping out. And not using the Trans Am, if Sanchez figured out, and part of the reason why he outlasts the Trans Am is because he's spending so much time on the right side of the Dynamis, and so Lockon is having a hard time seeing him. I mean, it's I think it's a kind of a minor nitpick because this fight is pretty cool, and like I think narratively this is where it had to go. But yeah, I agree. But there are some. It's not perfect. Yeah. So Sanchez is like, I'll use my fangs and attack him on both sides. Lock-On draws his pistol and shoots down most of them, but because there are some on the right, he doesn't react in time, even when Haro warns him, and gets stabbed in the head and the leg, and most of the dynamis is blown up, leaving and just the torso and one of the shields. Drifts off, and Haro is like, we can't fight, and Lock-On basically is like, bitch, I'm not running away. But he does go hide behind an asteroid, and Sanchez starts searching for him. I do like that even Sanchez acknowledges that he is a tough bastard. So Lockon takes the targeting computer out of the Dynamis and opens the cockpit. This is easily the dumbest part of this. I kind of like this, actually. There are parts of it I like, for sure. And he's like, hey, Haro, take the Dynamis back to the Ptolemy. And the Haro's like, Lockon, what the fuck? Where are you going? And he's like, hey, that's an order. I'm trusting you with the super important solar reactor we have. Get it back to the base. And I'll be fine. I'm the guy who makes the... Wait. (laughs) I'll be fine. Do you see these shadows under my eyes and this crack in my visor? I'll be fine. I don't need a visor in space. (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to say, also, Lock-On's looking pretty messed up at this point. right? He's looking really, really worse for wear. I definitely do get the feeling of, like, he has made his choices. Like, I'm dying here and I'm taking Sacha's with me. He has decided revenge is what he cares about. And hey, one of the giant cannons from the GN Arms is just near here. Bit weird since it exploded away from these asteroids, but okay. It floated here. There's no gravity in space, right? Space isn't just all gravity, certainly. Setsuna is trying to get there in time while Sachez continues looking for Lock-On, but Lock-On has found Sachez and is locking on with his targeting computer, which he has hotwired into the cannon of the GNR yeah, that is just floating here. Okay, literally the only... Pro- uh, this is a very cool moment. The only problem I have with this is, how does the cannon move because it was attached to an actuator before and it is not anymore i assume he waits i don't think he's aiming i think he's waiting for sachez to get in the line of fire okay i think i think he is watching sachez but he is also just waiting for him to come around and lockout's like man if i don't get rid of him war is never gonna end and i can't avenge my family i can't move forward unless i kill this man i can't face the world unless this man dies (laughs) excuse me zawarado and he so Sacha's like, hey, look, I found a life reading. That's got to be him. And I love how he just charges like straight in for a lock-on because he doesn't realize that lock-on is basically lay, lay on a, a trap cannon. for him. Yeah. 
So Lock-On fires the giant fuck-off beam at Sanchez while Sanchez fires some regular-sized beams back at him. Well, first, uh, Lock-On actually hits Sanchez and deals presumably significant damage. We don't see the exact damage that this Y takes, but Sanchez gets a shot back at the cannon Lock-On's on and destroys it. Yeah, it shoots right through the barrel, destroys it, and knocks Lock-On off the cannon. Lock-On starts dramatically monologuing about his family, so you know things aren't going well. Yeah, he's like, Dad, Mom... Amy, did I have a brother? He's not in this flashback. Maybe named Neil and or Lyle. Anyway, Christmas. Christmas okay. was good. Hear me out. I actually think in this flashback that is his brother and not him. And not No, oh, okay. So you think he's flashing back to himself not being there. I think he's viewing it from a third-person perspective, where, or actually a first-person perspective. Which is not how flashbacks usually work in fiction, but is yes. how they work in real life. Yes, exactly. We know he has a twin brother. That is all we know. Uh, I have no idea if they grew up together or not, or what. Lock-On's like, I know things will never go back to how they were, even if I murder that guy. But after today, uh, the, the future that Lyle will know will be better. I do have a brother. His name was Lyle. And we see the... I presume like, the Exia. Presumably the Exia's, like, particle trail as it's going past. Lock-On's like, Setsuna, did you find the answer you were looking for from that one battle you had with this guy I tried to kill? Lock-On, or not Lock-On, uh, Setsuna spots the uh, the GN arms and Lock-On. And he's like, what is Lock-On doing out here? I better go pick him up. Felt will be pissed if he dies. And then he dies. I feel like, like Lock-On just kind of accepted that he was a dead man because of that big old crack in his faceplate. He's venting atmosphere. And but then, of course, he gets his, uh, his last little, like, statement and then he... <laughs> Gun explodes. I, I do want to highlight his last words, yeah, which I, is... They're very angry, which he is not. But he's yeah. like, hey, are you satisfied with the world? Because I think it fucking sucks. And then he explodes. Well, that's why they wanted to... He was trying to change it. Yeah. And what more specifically, the cannon he was near explodes. Yeah. Which presumably kills Lock-On. Yep. Lock-On Stratos was never heard from again. And Setsuna sees him die. He doesn't come back as Neo Stratus Oak. (laughs) (laughs) Neo fucking Stratus Oak. (laughs) And so Kyrgios and Virtue have survived and been retrieved by the Ptolemaios. And hey, the Dynamis is confirmed as well. And felt like so happy about this. This is so depressing. Everybody is so relieved. Everybody's safe. Yes, we did it. Fuck Setsuna. (laughs) Well, they knew Setsuna was okay because he wasn't involved in this. Yeah, and yeah. then they just get the Haro repeating Lock-On's name over the channel. And Felt is like, please be more specific, Haro. Maybe don't, but please do. I, the, the, the Haro and the inflection of the Haro chanting Lock-On here got me. Yeah, the Haro is having an existential crisis is what's happening and here. everybody is just breaking down because not only are they no longer invincible... They're mortal now. And their dad died. And dad died. I I was going to say, also, Lock-On is the most, like, arguably human of the Ptolemaeus crew. Of the the Gundam pilots, yeah. That's more what I meant, is of the Gundam pilots, Lock-On is, like, definitely team dad. And I also feel like he's probably the one that nobody would have picked to die. Like, who are you going to choose to die first? To be fair, three of them would have picked the area. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, th- I think... Hallelujah might have picked himself. I mean, I think if you're going to pick someone who's probably going to die first, I think most people would have pointed at uh, Setsuna. Oh, okay. You, you mean as a pool system, not in a voted off the island sort of. Yes. Place. Yes. Just like if, if you were to choose based on their actions, who's probably going to die first? 
And who is the one person everybody on board this ship likes? They should have known he was going to die. Everybody liked him. Yep. Just too likable to survive this. So the episode ends with Setsuna screaming into the void, doing his best Atherin impression. It's also, I think, an important thing. I think it's the most, like, human reaction we ever see from Setsuna so far. Yeah, I think we'll get more into it next episode, but I think Setsuna, despite everybody asking, hey, did you figure shit out yet? I think Setsuna is actually kind of figuring shit out. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is a big catalyst for that. What do you think of Lockon's death happening here and not two weeks ago when it was kind of like teased or, or like having the tease like that and then just killing him again later in a less dramatic sort of way? I kind of like this because he gets to go out with a parting shot. So I'm ambivalent. I have opinions both directions. Um, I think either's all right. I think dramatically speaking, it makes a lot of sense for him to die two weeks ago shielding Tiaria. But I think it also works here. As he is, like, he gets his moment to, like, really stand up for the things that he was saying that here's why I'm doing all of this. Yeah, I guess from a narrative perspective, I I guess from a character arc perspective specifically, I think this is actually a better moment. From a, like, purely plot perspective, I think it would have made sense to happen two weeks ago. That's interesting, because I've always found it sort of weird how Lockon, like, dives into revenge after his injury. Like, I would always tease, like, oh, Lockon's the crazy one. Because he's the one who is like, hey, I'm going to kill you, Setsuna, because I need revenge. And ah, nothing matters unless I kill Ali Asajes. It doesn't come completely out of nowhere. It is within Lakan's character, but it's always seemed a little weird to me how focused he gets on that. And that is in theme with the, hey, revenge isn't something you should be going for. Dig two graves, etc., etc. I think it's partly because before Setsuna tells him Sachez's name, Revenge was against this nebulous organization, whereas when Setsuna gives him a name, and a mobile revenge suit. now gives him a, like, it is now a direct thing, and then especially when he actually does die, he does it after talking to Sachez, and I think there is a little bit of, I have to stop this man, because if I don't, people I care about will be put in danger again. Arguing against my own point a little bit, though, I actually kind of feel like this is character regression for him. It's a negative arc. It's not. It, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think if he had died protecting Tyria, that would have been a, like, he was the person who brought the Meisters together as, like, an actual unit. You know, minus Alalui, who was, like, not going bowling with the rest of the team <laughs> um, because he had to stay at home. But. Uh, he was staying at home drinking. Exactly. With uh, mom. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think you could argue either way for this. And I don't know that there was like a right answer. It, it does seem a little bit clumsy, but on the other hand, I kind of like this as a way of him going out more. Gotcha. A- anything else we want to say on Lockon's death? I mean, it sucks. Lockon was the most likable Gundam Meister. Yeah. So. Imagine if they killed duo in the middle of Gundam wing. Right, I oh. actually think it might've been a better show no, but... because an interesting thing would have happened. Yes. But, but, exactly. you have, but you'd be dealt with just those four guys. <laughs> yeah, oh, can, no. you, can you imagine the horror of only having <laughs> hero, Katra. Katra and Troa? I mean, Katra's a character. Yeah, okay. So you have, have Katra. one <laughs> out of four, 25% ain't bad. Yet what I will say is like, at least all the Gundammeisters are characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you have a high point, Tyler? I'm actually going to say it's Alleluia's duel with Soma slash... Uh, Sergei. Thank you, Sergei. I don't know, I just really like that moment. It's like ridiculous. It's like the most badass we've seen Alleluia be, I think. Zach? I, I gotta go with Lock-On versus Sachez. 
also pretty good. Yeah. Like that that fight is actually really well done. I'm gonna go with the oh everybody's gonna be okay. And Hara just going lock on, lock on. It felt like no. Oh it man, that sucks really hard. That hurt when they're like, oh the dynamis is confirmed. Everybody's okay. I'm like, oh no. Dramatic irony. Yep. Do you have a low point, Tyler? If there is a low point, um, honestly, I think this is a pretty solid episode overall. If there is a low point, I'm actually going to say it's the carrier ship destruction. The two ships next to the named character get blown up for no... Also, maybe Daryl going out. I'm kind of accidentally taking two, but like, I feel like Daryl deserved a slightly more dramatic... I guess Daryl is in theme with Lockon's death, right? They both yeah. die for revenge, but the show doesn't quite do enough to highlight that. Yeah, exactly. It needed like two and a half more minutes, I think. Zach, gotta go with uh, Lockon versus Sanchez. Why doesn't Lockon use Trans Am? Like, if it was presented that you can't that with using the GN arms would prevent him from using Trans Am later. Like, if that was given a reason... Because it needs more particles to power the GNR or, or, something, or something like that, it would make yeah. sense. But instead, it just kind of... Like, he just doesn't use it. It Weirdly, I, I mentioned this already, it was like a fridge logic moment for me because I didn't realize it while I was watching the episode. But after the fact, I'm like, oh, why did he do the thing? I didn't <laughs> notice it either until we were talking about it. Obviously, the fight's really cool. It's just one of those things of, wait a minute, hang on. Why... It, it could have been handled better. I don't think it was bad the way it was. but No, it's I, just this is a very strong episode. Yeah. yeah. I think the climax of the first part of Dumb, yeah, of Gundam 00 is quite good. But there's a lot of fridge logic stuff I noticed on a second viewing. And that was one of them. So what's your uh, low point, Jeremy? See, I, I didn't think you were going to take that since it was your high point. And you threw me the curveball. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the I can block quantum brainwaves now. Yeah, I, that's fair. I, I like that, especially because I know where it's leading. But it is kind of just suddenly, I could have done this the entire time, but you're kind of a bitch, so I didn't want to. But we are going to die if I don't, so I guess I will. And my only problem with that is that I feel like there are other times where Hallelujah didn't know whether they're going to live and could have done that. But there have been times where Hallelujah like takes over, right? And he doesn't seem affected. That's a good point. So like, yeah, maybe is... it's supposed to imply that he could have done it all along, but he wanted to take control instead. And he's kind of... Except the very first time it happens... Hallelujah does seem affected. That's true. But he is able to act, whereas Hallelujah collapses after it. So Hallelujah. Well, he seems able to act while Hallelujah isn't. Yeah. And that's what knocks him out, you know, out of things. I, I so, think there's there's a logic to it. It just seems a little weird. And, and like I said, it's a very good episode, so it's hard to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? It's lock-on, obviously. Zach? It's lock-on. Yeah, I want to say something else, but I think it is Lock on Stratos. More on YouTube, we join you. Okay, do we want to add one Gundam to this list this week and do a whole bunch on the final episode, or do we want to do two? Let's do two this week, I think. Okay, so this is the last uh, stand of the Dynamis, which I think is both of your favorite of this group of Gundams, I think. I may be presuming. definitely my favorite of them. I think the Exia has grown on me. I think the Dynamis is now my second. Favorite. I really like the idea of the Dynamis. The whole sniper Gundam yeah. really does it for me. I like its role as well. And the like poncho shields are pretty cool. I don't like it as much as the launcher strike personally, which is starting very high. But I think it's a similar role mobile suit. I think I like it more than the launcher strike. The The poncho shields really do it for me. I like the like the handguns that it has too. And like I'm a sucker for a sniper suit. So 
even the like super silly like pull down targeting thing Which that is it very has. Dumb. I kind of love that too, just because it is like okay, we're going to go all in on this idea of this mobile suit is a super hyper sniper mobile suit. This is our opera. I do like that it's very highly specialized. I think overall the design of the launcher strike does it for me, but more though. So it's surprisingly close. I like the Dynamis a lot. I think Launcher Strike it goes slightly ahead of it for me. So a little ways down, a mobile suit that was certainly inspired by the Dynamis. How do we think it compares to the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom? Oh, that's a weirdly <laughs> tough choice. I, I gotta go with the Dynamis because the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom is... Like, it's a fun design, definitely. But at the same time, it's just a fun design. It, yeah, it's extremely campy, and like I appreciate it. I think the Dynamis is a more. I, I think the Dynamis is a better suit, and just like the fact that it exists in a more serious setting, I think means something. It exists so. in a series that's actually good. Also, that yeah. So the final Gundam in this area, do we think it's better or worse than the Wing Gundam? Huh. I've got a lot of nostalgia for the Wing Gundam, but I think I have to give it to the Dynamis because the Dynamis seems to play into its ideas a lot more. Like. It is the sniper mobile suit. It is armed with a sniper rifle. It has the rad-ass poncho shields. Whereas the Wing Gundam is like, hey, look, I'm a Gundam. I'm white and blue. I have a shield. I have a gun. It's got that cool-ass chest gem thing, though. I'm not super thrilled with the chest gem, honestly. I think the chest gem really brings the design together. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like it a lot. Ah, goddamn, though, if Lockdown isn't so much better than Hero Yui. We're not rating characters. I know, but... But that's not even close. But also, like, even if the chest gem kind of brings that whole ensemble for the wing gun together, the poncho shields for the Dynamis... But I like the wing's wings just as much as the poncho shields. I think they're both very good, specific parts. The, The other thing that really drives the wing down for me at this point, even with all my nostalgia, is... That transformation sequence is fucking stupid. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but, but I think what makes me say the wing is the gun. I really like the Buster rifle. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a good give it to the wing. Um, barely. All right, so the Gundam Dynamis goes at number 19, above the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom, and below the wing Gundam. What? I realize the Tequila yeah. Gundam Daniel Custom was in the top 20. It's a good damn design, <laughs> is the problem. Okay, another Gundam we're not going to see again this series is the Virtue. And do we want to rate the Virtue and Nodley separately? I feel I think like yes. they should be. Yeah. Okay, I agree, but I, I often think we should do one separately if you guys say otherwise. Because they are Russian doll style, but at the same time, like, they're, they're different enough. Different. Yeah. All right. I don't think it's as good as the Dynamis, is that? No. I don't. Yeah. Super Chunk Boy is kind of neat because of the fuck you and everybody around you canon, but... Again, like, I like this series' highly specialized roles, but, like, yeah, the Virtue's just not doing it for me. This is interesting. I was gonna go to the next, like, heavy firepower Gundam, which I assumed would be the heavy arms, but it's actually the Calamity Gundam. Huh. And I think I like it more than the Calamity. I like it more than the Calamity Gundam. I'm torn on that, but also I'm outvoted already, so... How do we think it compares to the GP Rays 2, which is, uh... Ogre's second mobile suit that's based oh. on the GPO2. It's got a big club. <laughs> I think I prefer the Virtue because I do kind of like it's like kind of chonky, like sumo aesthetic as well as, as it has the to whom it may be concerned cannons. Yeah, no, my own 
I think I agree with Zach, but mostly because I don't like Ogre's second suit as much because it's like just weirdly top heavy. So it's the virtue. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> that's why I brought it up. I mean, the virtue is kind of a Gundam in a fat suit, but no. I kind of love it. No, so I, I think the the thing is that the virtue feels more well balanced. It's like big all over, as opposed to the GPO two, which is like just big on top mostly. Uh, so I don't think it's quite as heavily armed as the virtue, but similar role. How do we think it compares to the Buster Gundam? Huh. My impulse says the- Buster Gundam. I don't know how much of that is Diarca though. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was it thinking. It took me a second to remember the, what the Buster Gundam looked like, just because I think I prefer the Virtue, like, weirdly, like, I, just as a flat design, because the Buster Gundam, like, there's a lot going on. It's really difficult to say, and I think it actually kind of comes down to the fact that I like the color scheme on the Virtue more than the Buster. That's I, fair, but I really like that dumb gimmick the Buster has of the two guns that go together in the yeah. two different fashions. Yeah, but it really, for me at least, the the uh, to whom it may concern cannons that the Virtue has does it really does it for me over the the gimmicky connectables gun. So, and weirdly, I'm actually on the opposite of Zach in that I like the Buster's color scheme a lot more. I just like the Virtue more than the Buster, though. Okay. Is the Virtue better or worse than the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom? No, definitely the Tequila Gundam. <sighs> I agree. Zach, Zach, you seem torn on it. There, so if you want to get no, some words in, go there's ahead. There's no universe in which I put the universe <laughs> or the uh, Virtue above the Tequila Gundam. It, it's hard to say in my for me at least. Um, obviously, I'm already outnumbered. I think I might have put Gundam in a fat suit above it, but how do we think it compares to the Sword Strike? I like it more than the sword strike. I I just, when it comes to unbalanced mobile suits, I always prefer a disbalance in ranged weapons to a disbalance in melee weapons. Yeah, I think I agree. I also agree the one argument I will make as devil's advocate is the sword strike has a way better color scheme. Oh, for sure. So the final question, how does the Virtue Gundam stack against the mobile suit I feel like is most opposite on this list, the high maneuverability gin? Interesting. (sighs) It is about as far removed as you can get. I think I prefer the Virtue to the High Mobility Gin. The High Mobility Gin does have a lot going for it, but I can't get enough of the heavy, heavy firepower that the Virtue carries. The Virtue is going much higher than I thought it would, but I also think I agree. Yeah, it... Hmm. Yeah, I I think my problem is, if I was going to choose a pilot one, real me would take the Virtue. Me playing a video game would take the HM Gym, and that's a tough choice, so... I think the Virtue, though. So the Virtue Gundam will go at number 21, above the High Maneuverability Jin, and below the Tequila Gundam Daniel Custom. Does Gundam 00 secretly have very good designs? Uh, the weird thing is I don't think, like, uh, the Virtue's going much higher than I thought it was. The Dynamis I don't like as much as you guys, but I definitely expected it to go in this range. We'll see. I think the Gundam designs well, for that's Double Lot are very good. Because remember, our grunt suits are all bunched yeah, together at the bottom. Yeah, like, none of us like the Enact, right? Yeah. So. And the the thrones weren't great. Yeah, the thrones were also not great. That's fair. All right. Anything else we want to say about this episode? Like I said, I think the finale of Gundam Double O, despite having some fridge logic problems and not being quite as good on a rewatch, is pretty tight. Yeah, I am saving a lot of my thought. A lot of my final thoughts on this episode are kind of rolling up into my final thoughts on the first half of this series. And I'm going to save that until we, you know, do our final thoughts on the first half of the series. It's pretty good. I like this quite a bit. All right, it's a Gundam will return in Endless Poem.
going down. They're going down!